Hey, it's great to have you with us. A uh, warm greeting to you uh, on this cold winter's evening. Thanks for coming out. Um, we are in the last of our series uh, in the Psalter or the Psalms. Um, and I'm excited about what's to come. Uh, we have the next series called The Table. Ooh, who's excited about The Table? Some of you have been going along to Serious Coffee and you've already been through The Table and, and it's an awesome series. We're going to be preaching through uh, that book. And actually, the book is this one right here, A Meal with Jesus. Um, and it's about six or seven different sermons working through um, the Gospel of Luke and all the different meals that uh, Jesus encounters people through. So um, do come out and enjoy. That's all about hospitality. It's all about food. It's about community um, and all of those things and how they develop our faith. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? Um, tonight, however... Uh, we get on to probably one of my favorite psalms. And I say it's one of my favorites because like Ben last week, it was one that was passed on to me uh, from someone. Um, and that's Psalm 84. Uh, psalm 84 is, has something of a, been something of a lifeline to me uh, throughout this, um, this last few years. And uh, you'll, you'll discover more uh, and why in the coming moments. But uh, as, we, as we begin, let me open with prayer. Well, Lord, it's, it's always good to open your word together. It's always good to reflect and to be nourished by your word. And uh, Father, we, we just asked as we do that, Lord, that your spirit would come and impart revelation to us. Uh, Father, it is so good to, uh, to do that and to, to know when you're doing that because our lives are transformed as we allow you to do that work in us. And so we invite you this evening to come and speak to us by your spirit as only you can, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I want to honor those also who have contributed to the series. We, we're just pretty blessed as a church to have a, a great bunch of communicators, a great bunch of preachers, and uh, you've seen about five or six of them uh, over this series. So thank you, team. Thank you, team, that have been um, involved in that. Um, and tonight, this, this one final psalm um, I've called... Whoop, missed the title slide. Oh, that's all right. Um, it's called Blessed Dwelling Places. Blessed dwelling places. And uh, it's Psalm 84. And so I believe uh, this fits well with me uh, where I've been over the last few weeks as well. These, um, I don't know if any of you were here this morning for the generation service, but um, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Amazing team that were doing that. But you know, those sorts of things, although very cool on the morning, very stressful for the whole team. So we've been <laughs> working through that. But these kinds of Psalms that we've been looking at, they give us life. They give us that energy to sort of progress Progress through and, and make these things happen. So um, if you're going to follow along in your Bible, you can. I'm going to have the team follow me as I read it um, uh, so I don't have to click through and lose concentration. But uh, Psalm 84, we're going to read the whole thing together. And I'm just going to just pick it apart a little bit as we, as we go through this evening. So starting from verse 1. At the top of some of your Bibles, it'll say, um, for the director of music. This is, this is the nerdy me that's just going to come out briefly uh, for you here. Um, according to Giddith, how many of you have wondered what Giddith is? Okay, Giddith is a stringed instrument. Okay, there you go. Um, and it's of the sons of Korah, they were a group of people who, who were called together to be a chorus of singers. There you go. So this is, a, this is a psalm that needs stringed instruments and a chorus of people singing along to it. Okay, so it's actually a song um, and it's a beautiful song. 
Um, but this is, a, this is a psalm that is um, about a weary pilgrim on their journey of faith. Okay, A weary pilgrim longing for the tabernacle in Jerusalem. You see, they would always go on these journeys back to Jerusalem, to the tabernacle. And uh, that's where they had the, the Ark of the Covenant. That's where they would come together about four or five times during the year for the different types of feasts and festivals that they would have. This is a psalm about someone going on that journey. So let me read verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. As you know, around the temple, there was different courts that you're a part of. The inner courts, the outer courts, the temple, of course. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Good old Hillsong stole that whole line and put it in a song. Blessed are those whose strength are in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Good word, pilgrimage. Hey, it's about this journey. It's about what we're going towards. Okay, It's that, that in-between phase. Um, what are we up to? Verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca. How many of you sort of wondered if that's an actual place? Valley of Baca. They, they come up with all these different images um, in the Psalms, and I go, I wonder where that is. I wonder if it still exists. Um, it's just a dry place. All right? So we're just putting it out there. It's not geographical identity. Um, it's a place where people go when God isn't there, mentally and in their hearts. Okay, They make it a place of springs. See the subtle change? The autumn rains also cover it in pools. They go from strength to strength till each appear before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Here's these very cool words from another song. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. You see, this spectacular psalm is one I return to often because, well, it, it elicits so much about our journey with God, doesn't it? It speaks to so much of um, our longings, I guess our joys, our dry places, our celebrations. There is something in the psalm for everyone in almost every moment. It raises some beautiful imagery and, and in the Hebrew language describes something that even the English language 
can't even evoke. And some of these commentators that I read about this, they, they're trying to discern, you know, like I talked about the, the Valley of Baca, they're trying to go, where is this place? And, and different commentators had all these different opinions. What, what the psalmist is doing is, is giving an image for a feeling. An image for a feeling. Um, I had, uh, how many of you here have English as a second or even a third language? Is there anyone? There's a few. There's a few here. Um, I used to have these, uh, in, in my first church where I was a youth pastor, I had these South African kids. And man, they were cheeky. Um, but they also, um, <laughs> they loved their own language because it described things that they couldn't describe in English. In fact, they, there was once where I was, I was sharing with them and they, they said to me, oh, Rob, that's this word. And I can't remember what the word is off the top of my head. And some of the South Africans in the room go, oh, I know what that is. But there was no equivalent English word for it. It was just a, it was a feeling that they had. Um, this is what the psalmist is doing. He's giving us a feeling. He's, he's using this, this imagery to conjure something inside you of what he is feeling or what she is feeling on that journey. And tonight I want to pick up on just one or two of these images and explore them a little bit with you. Um, about not just the glory of God, but the very fact that we give opportunity, uh, we, we're given this opportunity to enjoy His glory, His presence among us, and we can do that in our darkest and, and hardest places, but also in the places of celebration through these words. And my favorite Baptist, no, it's not Craig, uh, Charles Spurgeon, <laughs> Craig's close second. Sorry, boss. He says these words, your tabernacles are so lovely to us because you meet us there. He's talking about the psalm. You see this, this journey, this pilgrimage that people went on, they went there and they remembered it because it was a place where they met God. Every time they went there, there was this place elicited a sense of joy, a, a place of restoration, a, a place of um, a fueling, a revitalization. And he picks up on it here. At the heart of the psalm is a personal loving God that desires to meet with us, desires to walk with us. In the book of Genesis, we, we hear about God walking and talking with Adam and Eve. Just in this space, God desires to be in that space with us. And there are places that even as I speak, your mind is wandering there at the moment. What are those places in your life, in your experience, that you just go, I can see myself there, you know, just like in the castle. How's the serenity? Right there, you know. There's those spaces. <laughs> had, to use the, had to use the castle there. But, you know, how's the serenity? Just take a moment, think about that. Where is that place for you, the place where your mind is wandering? I want you to hold those images in your mind for a second. A few weeks ago, I asked Beverly, who's a regular here with us in the evening service, um, to create something for me because Beverly's an artist. And Beverly and I had a, had a conversation. I said, hey, look, I'm going to be preaching on Psalm 84. Would you read it? And would you put together something for me? And I want to invite Beverly to come and share a little bit about the image she created for us, and I grab a mic. I think there's one here at the front. MC1. Come on up, Beverly. 
while you're thinking about that place, I invite Beverly to come and share this. I'm going to put this up on the screen for you as you speak. Here you go. Thank you. That's all right. Um, thank you, Rob. It's a privilege to be asked to paint. Um, when Rob asked me, I thought, oh, no. Can you all hear me? Um, because people often come and say, could you do a painting? And they had an exhibition and you say, um, thank you. You know, I'd love to. And then they say, well, can you give me, um, can you do the colours to match my lounge suite? And you don't say that to artists. And um, when when Rob asked me about Psalm 84, um, he didn't say anything except can you maybe picture how, paint how you would see it. And um, that was fantastic because it was starting with something that I, I wouldn't normally paint. And um, you've got it up there, but um, I've got it at the back. Um, verses one and two. The writer longs to be in the presence of God. My standing starting point in this painting was how do I perceive being in the presence of God and what would that look like? Moses asked to see God in all his glory and God replied that no man could see God's face and live. So I thought to do a representational image of God a sort of unrepresentational image of God. Scripture says the heavens declare the glory of God. So that was my starting point, my impression of God through an image of the heavens, to look through the galaxies with all its planets, stars and suns. Sorry, I'm just not in a hot flush. I'm not going to die of a heart attack. Um, <laughs> to be in God's courts in the beginning suggests to me royalty. As Revelation says, King of kings and Lord of lords, I love the way scripture confirms scripture. In the olden days, the most expensive dye was the color purple. That is why kings often wore it. So I painted the white canvas the whole thing a dark purple to reflect the kingly aspect of God. The thick red line that weaves across the canvas represents our lives on pilgrimage in verse 5. When we reflect on our journey through life, we can sometimes see what God is doing with us. I have to be honest, at other times, I can't see what God is doing through me at all. But just because we cannot see God's mystery in our lives doesn't mean that God can't. He can see the red line clearly, permanently, even when other layers of paint are added on top. The only way to access the courts of the Lord is through the death of Jesus. At first, we realize the kingly part of the Trinity. We are his subjects. By verse 4, we have moved from the courts into living into his house. Through Jesus' death, we become family. And this is demonstrated by the symbol of the cross in the top right corner of the painting. It's 
just below the biggest sun, there's a small red cross. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life with God in his house. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If this were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. We can be encouraged by the constellation of the Southern Cross in our hemisphere at the moment. It's also on our flag. The blood of Jesus is available to the whole world. And this is illustrated in small red flecks of paint that cover the whole canvas. Ten days after Christ ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came to live inside us by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is represented by the luminescence of a dove in the right golden globe. There's a bird sort of, um, yep, thanks, Rob, right there. Oh, you didn't realise you had that. (laughs) Um, Verse 3, going backwards, talks of the sparrow and a swallow having a home and a nest. So we move from the courts, which is a formal thing, into a home, into God's presence, inviting us from the outside into the innermost, into an intimacy, which we don't often reflect or understand in the Old Testament. This is identified by two blue bird motifs in two of the sons, which are there, thank you. Um, It is interesting that the writer mentions two small birds that most people would find seemingly insignificant. And yet we find that even they have found a home with God. In one of the Gospels, Jesus talks about the sparrows. He tells his disciples that every sparrow that dies and falls to the ground will not happen without God knowing about it. If they are so special to God, can you imagine how much more we are to him? The sparrow, I come from Zimbabwe and the bird life is, oh, it is to die for. And you see God's creation. And yet when you think of a sparrow and a a little swallow, mostly brown and white and beige, no colour that rivets us, that we would stare on them and think, oh God, this is just magnificent. And yet, God sees the most insignificant, the most smallest of people, are small things that we bring to God, not for what we can do for God, but what can do we but for the, what God can do through us for him. And the swallow, the swallow is a pulpit, it's a migratory bird. And um, in my commentary, the um, place of whatever it was, the valley, it, it didn't have it in the commentary, it completely missed it out. 
So um, anyway, to carry on, um, I don't want to speak too long, the thin yellow lines that transverse the canvas reflect the light of love of love, reflect the light and love of God. John five, sorry, John eight, verse five, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So wherever we find ourselves in life on the pilgrimage that most of us, some of us migrate to other countries, but it's always a pilgrimage for all of us. But the light and the love of God will always find us. When we go home to be with God, we will find our everlasting, eternal home with him. Then no good thing will he withhold from those who walk in his ways. This is represented by pale blue watermarks across the canvas. Um, you probably won't be able to see them. Um, for he is the living water. Until then, blessed is the man who trusts in God, says the last verse of the psalm. For the Lord God is a sun and shield to us all the days of our lives. If you get nothing out of this painting tonight, the one thing I wanted to leave you with is the summarization of the meaning of the painting. To sum it up, I would say it is to invite us this evening into the courts, into the home, into the presence of the Lord for his arms are open wide. Really? Awesome. Isn't that cool? You just, oh, you forgot your water. That's all good. If you had asked me to paint something of Psalm 84, uh, it would have been the white stripes down the side <laughs> with a few scribbles. Isn't that spectacular? Isn't that spectacular? Isn't it amazing how God brings out that kind of artwork from his psalm? I mean, for me, thank you, Beverly. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for serving us in that way tonight. It's such a beautiful thing. I love it. Uh, a few years ago, um, I went to uh, on, a, on a sabbatical, and I went to this place. How many of you have been to that place? Uh, I see three hands. That's St. Peter's in Rome. Um, and I went to this place, and I thought to myself, Yep, I'm going to meet God here. This is the, you know, kind of the birthplace of some of our Christianity. Um, supposedly, you know, the Apostle Paul's buried under there somewhere. Um, to give you an idea of scale, those, those letters up there, um, they're seven feet tall. Okay, you can tell because there's these tiny people down here that you sort of get a scale. This place is magnificent. It's, wow, it's opulent and... You know, there's a billion people walking through it every day, um, which kind of loses that blessed sacred place thing. The reason why I show you that is because I felt nothing there. I felt nothing. I was like, I went there, open heart, Lord. Wow, this is magnificent, but mm, it's a museum. It's a museum to faith. There's this other place I went to um, in Spain. Uh, this is in Montserrat. How many have been to Montserrat? Ha, what, my wife, of course. You've been to Montserrat? Oh, man. And they were having a, a mass, and we walked in, and there's the pipe organ going, and this room was just filled. It was just 
sensational. Just didn't sense God in it. We we're going for a walk in, uh, around Rome and we'd been to the Colosseum and we walked up the hill to this tiny little place. And there was probably only enough seating in there for about 50 people. And we walked up this alleyway and we're like, there was no one up there. I'm thinking like, we're trespassing, we're going to get in trouble. And I just saw this little door. You wouldn't even know it was a church. It's covered by trees. We walked in and, uh, and there was literally about five or six other people in the room. And I just sat there for a while and just stared at that, that fresco there. Um, it was done in about 1,000, I think. The church is like... 1100 years old and I just sat there and ooh, the presence of God it was a blessed dwelling place for me there was another place that I thought was a blessed dwelling place for me as well it was this place Let's go. Come, come on, on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I knew that would get a few people excited you see in this place, I, uh, a few years back, I uh, went along and I thought to myself, man, I want to see my favourite worship band in the whole world at that time, which was Casting Crowns. Mark Hall, who was a youth pastor, and he sings, um, sings a song. Who am I, the Lord of all the earth? You know that song. And he sings a song, the voice of truth. Oh, come on. Uh, and I was sitting there and, you know, with the 20,000 other people and it was just a worship night and, you know, may have got trembly knees and sweaty eyeballs um, as, the, as the song was playing. For me in that moment, that was a blessed dwelling place, a place where God was so present and so real. And I wonder what those places might be for you. Uh, as Beverly has shared through her, through her artwork, she saw God in all his glory and you, you could hear that story coming through. What were those places for you? When was the last time you did as the psalmist said and you went to that blessed dwelling place? See, they were, they were going between Jerusalem. He was talking about the, the journey that, that has to happen between one parachute and the next. You see, we often say, oh, life is so tough and so hard and, you know, we, we, we don't understand what it means to walk this journey with God in between Jerusalems or in between parachutes. What I think is a, is a better way of looking at this is the fact that, that God actually wants to make every place you are a blessed dwelling place. Every place you go, a blessed dwelling place. Verses 4 uh, through, through 7, he says this. He said, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those who strengthen your hearts on pilgrimage. They make a place of springs, the autumn rains. They make those places blessed. They carry with them the presence of God. You see, we can attribute blessed dwelling places to a structure, and they can be that sometimes. It can be a field in Hamilton where the field days are happening at the moment, but it could be that place. But it's a place where God is present and where we invite him to be present. Amen? There's a very real sense that in these verses, the psalm, that the psalm is for the journey and this pilgrimage between Jerusalem's. 
It's written to remind us of the blessing and the power that comes from a faithful walk, a deep trust in between those mountaintop moments with God, that he's active, that he is present in every moment, here and now even, as we allow him to. And because we carry his presence with us. See, the psalmist is speaking of the power and the grace of God's presence between mountaintops. Even Moses had to come down off that mountain when he had received from God to give to his people. And I remember the story in Mark 9 when the disciples go up and they're up and the transfiguration is taking place and they see Moses and they see Elijah. What do they do? They say, let's build shelters. Let's stay here. This place is just amazing. And they say, no, 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 you've got to go back. Life will continue tomorrow. Life will continue. You have to go back from that mountaintop experience, back to work, back to the bills, back to mowing the lawns, back to the everyday grind of life. But I give you my spirit to take with you into those blessed dwelling places. What does verse 4 to 7 remind us? that there is a purposeful living into a life that is blessed by God. You see, those who dwell in his house, and my crude interpretation of that is those who cultivate a life for God's activity, they are the ones who find strength in those mountaintop moments for the everyday. They're the ones who are enjoying and living into the life that God called them to, and they make those places that are desolate places, this valley of Bacchus experience, they make it into places of springs, wherever they find themselves. My daughter this week made a, made a, a, a blessed comment about Monica. She's, she's got a friend at school, and a friend at school's just this real encouraging kid. She goes, that's my Monica. She said that. <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean by that? She goes, Dad, you always say Monica is just so encouraging and so full of life. And she, Monica is. She's a person who brings the springs of life into places where it's not. Lily has seen that and said, this is my Monica. I love that. You're taking those mountaintop experiences into real life and living from it, bringing it to those who need it also. Understanding that everyday life is a blessed dwelling place for God if we allow him to do so. I often hear the prayer of faithful Christians who say, God, make the path easy. Remove the obstacle. Change the particular circumstance in my favor. See, pilgrimage is about the journey to the place of blessing. But Lord, I hate vegetables and exercise. <laughs> Can't I just drink Coke, eat donuts and bacon every day? Surely you want me to be happy, Lord. Can't you just make my husband perfect like Rob? <laughs> Can't you just make that particular person nice or disappear? No, <laughs> we laugh, but we've thought it. How really, how really do we pray the prayer, Lord, give me the extra grace required to get me through this place 
and into the new one where I can love them. Not sure I've prayed that prayer. Where I can make this valley a place of springs, where I can say with integrity, how lovely is your dwelling place here. You see, blessed dwelling places, they transform us. And when we live into the new reality, they speak to our hearts. We experience God there too. We are strengthened and equipped to live in his courts. Tonight, I wonder if you are here and it has been a long time between blessed dwelling places. That you are praising God, but you long for that refreshing presence of his spirit. This can be a blessed dwelling place for you this evening. I invite the the band to come back and and lead us. I want to say what I've tried to lead us into tonight is the understanding that right now can be that place for you. In fact, any place can be that place for you. You've just got to allow God to lead you into that space. And tonight, this could be that dwelling place where God meets you and supplies you afresh with the grace that is needed. Maybe it's while you um, mow the lawn this week. Maybe it's as a mum while you're changing that nappy. It can be a blessed dwelling place. It can. Maybe you need to show some extra grace. Maybe it's about being hospitable. It's about finding those things in the everyday. And as always, um, as the team leads us, we're going to have opportunity for you to to be prayed for this evening. Um, I want to close with the same reflection I started with at the start of our uh, series. Uh, Next one. Boom. There we go. We used these three words to kick off, and we had a a little um, bookmark with these three questions on it that I wanted you to reflect on as you've gone through these psalms. Um, The first one is adore. What did I learn for which I can praise or thank God for? The second to admit, what did I, or what did you learn about yourself for which you can repent? And what did you learn about your life that you could aspire to ask for or act on? You see, We've had five or six different people lead us, bend through Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Brittany brought the Psalm 23, prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And Craig led us on a devotional through Psalm 139. Michael in Psalm 42, I, I want you to take these three questions and go back through what you've heard. God, how can I adore you? How can I admit to what I need to admit to? How can I aspire to what you're calling me to? Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And Lord, no matter where we find ourselves on the journey of faith, on this pilgrimage, you want to make it a blessed dwelling place. Whether we're struggling with With life at the moment, maybe there's some people in our life that uh, are requiring the most grace we've ever had to give. 
Lord, reading prayer cards this morning, there are those that are facing chemotherapy. Lord, there are those that are facing operations, families journeying with others through illness, and even this week, Lord, many of us in the Encore group faced someone who had passed away and our mortality comes straight to us. Lord, even in that moment as we celebrate life, that can be a blessed dwelling place. So Father, we, we welcome your, your transformative spirit to come and speak to us tonight. And we submit ourselves to your wonderful guiding and working hands. Come and do what only you can do by your spirit, we pray.